actually, you people in, in Anatoth, the people here at Anatoth were colder than I was up in Michigan. So it was, but it was a good time. I, I had a great time. Got to see a lot of people. I gave a sermon on this line before, and I was thinking uh, of things that uh, can help me to make changes. And I know that there's a lot of information in the Bible that we don't understand totally and completely yet. But as we're needed to, as God feels we need it, He reveals those things to us. Uh, I want to go through the book of of Jonah. Return to Jonah. I'm not going to go through every verse, but I have a few points that I'd like to bring out in the book of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. Uh, we can find the first instance of that in Second Kings 14:25, where it talks of how the uh, God restored the country back underneath the king at that time. And it says in 25, He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of the Hamath unto the sea of the uh, plain. That plain sea was probably the Dead Sea, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel. Which, and so this is God's word, which He spoke by the hand of His servant Jonah. So, he was the son of Ammoniah, uh, the prophet, which is, uh, which was of Geth-Hefer. So, Jonah said he was a prophet. You know, he's listed in the minor prophets, but that was an instance there that shows that he did prophesy in Israel many years. And then in Matthew 12, verse 39, um, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read those to you. But he answered, Christ answered the scribes and the Pharisees, people that were worried about different things. And he said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of Jonas the prophet. So here Christ recognized Jonah as the prophet. Again, in chapter 16 of Matthew, in verse 4, he states it again. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Well, people today look for signs and wonders and different things. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. So Christ emphasized the fact that Jonah was a prophet. And one more in Matthew chapter 12. And the men of Nineveh will raise up in judgment with this generation. Because these people at that time did not want to follow God. And they didn't want to believe that Christ was the Son of God. So he said they want an evil generation and condemned it because they repented. The Ninevites repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. So he, and that was, I read that from the New King James Version. So Jonah was a prophet. Jonah, and God used the instance of Jonah to reflect that down through society. 
So if we go to verse 1, Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. And we see where it... Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Ammonias, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. We can think about today the wickedness that's in here. Jonah, as a single prophet, went into Nineveh. We know that in the very near future, there's going to be two. They're going out there, the two witnesses. And what are they going to cry? The end is coming. Because we are a wicked and adulterous and evil generation of people. And are they going to like Jonah? I mean, the two witnesses? No, they won't have anything good to say about them. So the first point I want to cover is God gives us things to do. So Jonah was given a job that he had to do because God asked him to do that. Just like others, Noah, David, uh, Abraham, Abel, um, all of us had, all these men had jobs that they were given. Uh, Paul was given a job to do. And they all had that requirement. So, just as God has given those people, special people that He picked out, jobs to do, He does that for us too. We have jobs to do. Maybe we don't think about it, but we do have jobs, and God is, like Jonah, God has told us we have things to do. Turn to Matthew 25, beginning 14. Matthew 25. I know Matthew 25 starts out, talks about the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. Isn't that not telling us that if we're going to be a part of the virgin, the bride of Christ, that we have to do something too? We can be like the, those five virgins that were foolish, and just take it for granted the job God's given to us. But here in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man who traveled to a far country and called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his abilities, and straightforward he, he left. So here... God is saying that He looks down on each one of us. He knew ahead of time what we can do before we start to do it. And so He gives talents to each one of us, or jobs, so to speak, something for us to do and accomplish. So He says some people can do five jobs. I mean, there are people that can manage businesses today. Some people can manage five or six. Some people can only manage one. Some people can just barely get out of bed. But, you know, he, he looked down and he saw in each one of us something that he could use. And each one of us was brought even here to Anatoch because he saw something in us that he could use. Now, maybe we didn't see it, or maybe we still don't see it. But yet, he did give it to us. He goes on in verse 24. Then he, then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a, a, 
you are, are a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not uh, straw. Uh, look at us. We don't sometimes think, well, I ought to be more important or more used in a different area. And so what do we do? We're going to be like the one who got one talent instead of doubling the talent or growing, trying to do more than what we do. Do we do like this one person and hid his talent, buried it in the ground? God's given you a talent. He's given you a job. And he's brought us here to do that job. And what he says to the one, he said, you ought to have put your money to the changers and that in my coming I should have received mine own with usury. I want to see more from you as a person. Take therefore, he said. And, and this is something that really con- I, I think about myself and consider God gave me a talent. And do I utilize that talent 100% or 50% or do I just hide that talent because I get discouraged? So he said, take the talent from him and give it to somebody else. I don't want to be the person that has the talent taken away. I was ordained a deacon in 69, an elder in 97. And I wonder... Have I taken that talent? So maybe you're not a deacon or an elder, but you are a coming king or a priest, but you really are going to be part of the bride of Christ. So you have to consider that God has given to you that talent to be that way, to be a part of that talent. In 1 Timothy 3, we can look at that. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Here he's talking, Paul speaking to Timothy, a young minister. If, this is a true saying, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. So apparently it's not uncommon to desire to have a position not only in the church, but to be part of the bride of Christ, to be a king or a priest. So he tells us things that we should be able to do. Just like Jonah was told, go to Nineveh, a a big city, and tell them what I told you to tell them. So he had a commission to do something to warn these people. Like the two witnesses are going to have the commission to go and tell the world that they've got to make a change or they're going to die. A very hard time. So he goes on here and gives qualifications. And maybe you're not an elder or a deacon or anything, but yet if you're going to be a part of the bride of Christ, here's some things to think about. Here's qualities that God expects from you. So the bishop should be blameless. Have to think of yourself. How am I? What am I doing with my life? The husband of one wife. Vigilant. Now, we really alert and aware of what's going on. Sober. Of good behavior. 
These are qualities that God is looking for in each and every person. Whether you're a deacon, an elder, or just a member of the church, God expects these qualities of you because he wants you to be a king and a priest. Uh, given to hospitality, visiting, sharing your life, inviting people over if you need to, or helping them apt to teach. You know, in the world tomorrow, those that make it through the, the rough time that's coming ahead are going to need to be teach, taught, rather than teach, to be taught. And are you going to be able to do that? Because that's your job. That's a common job for you to do. Not given to wine, not a striker, not greedy of money, uh, but uh, patient, not a brawler, and not covetous. So you can go through all these things that are written here to an elder, and then you see it later on to a deacon, and apply that to yourself. Because we are going to be given a job to help and teach others. And even right now, to share our lives with each other. So, you go on and not only read all those, go to Titus chapter 1 and read what uh, Paul said to Titus. Basically the same thing. Those are qualities, a commission that God gives to us as a person in the church in Ephesians 5 verse 6 turn to Ephesians 5 verse 6 again God is going to give us some things that we can think about for ourselves to what God is telling he expects from us let no man deceive you with vain words so he's telling us to look at what's being said analyze it See if it's in the Scriptures. You know, he tells us in, uh, to prove all things, hold fast to what's the truth. So here he's telling us again in Ephesians 5, verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. There's a lot of people who get out there and they talk like they've got the answer to everything and they really don't know God at all. For because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. So if we're listening to the wrong thing, or we're not proving what's being said. I said that in the last couple of sermons. Uh, like Herbert Armstrong used to say, and what attracted me back in 62 was Herbert Armstrong on the radio says, Don't believe me. Open your Bible. Is it there? So the Bible that we have helps us to see what God expects from us. So we have a commission there. That commission is to prove what God is saying to those He puts to teach us. Verse 7, Be not therefore partakers with them. So you don't want to get entangled up with the wrong doctrine, with the wrong people, the wrong attitude, with vain words. For... You were sometimes in darkness, but now you're in light of the Lord. Walk as children in the light. So we have to start living that way. Prove what is acceptable, God. Can we do that? Can we sit down and prove that what God's given me to do, I have to do that. 
Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, which is right. Again, we are God's children. We need to obey Him. We need to teach our children to obey us as parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents. You can also write down in other scriptures that shows that we have a calling and a responsibility. Daryl's gone over uh, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Matthew 5, 1, all of Matthew 5, 6 and 7 are commissions to us, things that we have to learn to do. And then Revelation 2 and 3, to the church. Read what he says to each one of those heirs. Those are things he's telling us that we have to do. Well, we're back to Jonah. We find that Jonah had a commission. But what did Jonah do? So Jonah, chapter 1, verse 3, Jonah rose up and fled to Tarshish. Tarshish was probably Spain now, from the presence of the Lord. You notice that he, he fled. He went off to another country to get away from God. And he went to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare thereon and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of God. He wanted to get away from God. Now, I ask myself, am I trying to do that too? With the talent that God has given to me, do I try to get away from God? And every one of us have to think, God brought us here. Are we going to go someplace else? And many people have come, many people have left. Many people have come into the church of God and left the church of God because they're trying to get away from God. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3. The eyes of the eternal are on every place, beholding the evil and the good. So, here Jonah decided, hey, I'm going to get away from God. I'm going to hide from God. Well, what did we say here? The eyes of the Lord are on every place. So, no matter where you go, is God going to find you there? Psalms chapter 139. Psalm chapter 139. Verse 7. David speaking to God or knowing God and speaking of God, he says in verse 7, Where shall I go from your spirit? For whether I, uh, where shall I flee from your presence? So David had to ask that question. Is there some place I can go? Jonah didn't think about that scripture, did he? He didn't think about what David had to say. If I should descend into up to heaven, you are there. So today we know we can go to heaven. Uh, we can get on a plane. We can fly up 34,000 feet up in the air. But you know, God is there. When I was flying back from Michigan, I thought, 
You know, God, I'm here in this plane. If the engine quits, we're not going to make it. So I knew God knew that I was there anyway. And He's going to bring us back here safe and sound. So I knew that. So whether I go to heaven, you'll be there. Or if I should bed in hell, behold, you're there. If we dig in the ground, if we go down in a tunnel someplace, you know, God sees us there too. If I take wings and uh, in the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. So whether we go out to sea or we're on an airplane, God is there. He is going to protect us. Even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I shall surely, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light to me. Yet the darkness hithers not from you, hides not from you, but the night shines as a day and the darkness as the light both like there. So God, no matter where we go, God is there. Why didn't Jonah think about that? He thought he could get away from God. So he jumped on this boat and sailed off to another country. Jonah, back to Jonah 1, verse 4. But, verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. You know, here Jonah thought, I'm going to get away from God. And God looked down and said, Well, we'll see about that. So they get out there in the, out in the ocean or the sea, wherever it was, and God just made, made great waves. And the tempest was great in the sea. Verse 5, And the mariners were afraid. So the other people on the ship, not knowing what had happened, they, they became afraid. But Jonah wasn't afraid. He was asleep. He thought he was going to get away from God. I can sleep and be away from God. So the sh- people on the ship then were scared. They, they began to uh, look around asking the question, what in the world's going on? Why, why are we having all this? We're going to sink. In verse 8, we, we see where it says, tell us, because they brought Jonah. They found Jonah asleep. He didn't wasn't concerned. He knew that God would take care of him. He had a commission, but he was trying to get away from that commission. I heard one sermon, a person said that Jonah left because he was afraid to go to Nineveh. Well, Nineveh was a was an enemy of Israel. They were rough. They were mean. They 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 didn't when they killed people. They just they, they killed him whatever way possible to hurt them. So Jonah didn't want to go. He wasn't afraid of Nineveh. He just didn't want to go to Nineveh. So he got on the ship and he was asleep. And so they woke him up and brought him up to the people and they said, tell us, in verse 8, tell us, we pray you, for whose cause this evil is upon us? And what is... Occupy, what is your occupation? And where did come you? And uh, what country are you from? And who are your people? And they, they began to grill him for whatever he was. Why, why are you asleep and the rest of us are worried? 
in verse 9, So Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Eternal, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. So he pointed that there is only one God who did all it. Now these mariners had all kinds of gods. They had a God of the sea and a God of the air and a you know, God of this and that and the other. But Jonah said, there's only one God. And then he says, then uh, where were these men greatly afraid, greatly afraid, the, the mariners, the people on the ship were greatly afraid because Jonah said, I'm running away from God. Verse 12, so Jonah said to them, because they want to know what in the world can we do to get, get back to a calm sea that we can get back to safety. So Jonah told them, Take me up, cast me into the sea, and the sea will be, the tempest and all that will go away. In verse 13, the men rode hard because they did not want to do that. They didn't want to throw Jonah overboard. They didn't want to be the ones that causes him to die. So they, they rode hard to bring it to, to land, but God was not going to allow that to happen. And so they threw Jonah into the sea and they prayed and asked God not to hold the death of Jonah against them. In verse 15, they cast him in the sea and the sea ceased. When they threw him in, the sea ceased. It became calm. Then the men feared God exceedingly and offered sacrifices unto the Lord and made vows. Temporary thing. We do that today, don't we? We're getting a bind. Uh, we see God's hand in it. What do we do? Whoa, we're sorry. We make, we, we pray to God. We ask His forgiveness. A week later, a month later, whatever. We seem to forget that, that instance that put us in this position. Just like the mariners there, they, they prayed and they sacrificed. But they didn't keep it going. And so in verse 17, we see that the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah up. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So what did Christ say back there? The only sign that the people would ever get was the sign of Jonah. Three days and three nights in the grave. He was telling them, Christ was telling them, I am going to be in the grave three days and three nights. Just like Jonah was in a grave, a type of grave inside a fish. But isn't it interesting that God had to know Jonah's attitude. He knew what Jonah was up to, so he prepared something to take care of that. How long ahead of time? I don't know. But apparently God knew. He knows each one of us. He knows our thoughts and actions. So when Jonah went down to jump down the sea, maybe that's when God created this fish. Because he can do it, as he did with men. So he created this big fish of whatever kind it was. And when they threw Jonah overboard, he was swallowed up. And I put down here, I thought, because I thought it was kind of comical. Jonah was fleeing from God. So God created a fish 
to help him out. You want to flee from me? I'll help you out. I'll put you in this fish and put you at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> you want to hide from me? I'll help you out. Sometimes we do that, don't we? We want to not do what's right, but God's going to help us out until we can see that we made a mistake. So my third point here is God hears when we repent. So when we make a mistake, you know, and we go back to God, if we repent, you have to understand God will hear you. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to God, to the Lord his God, out of the belly of the fish. So apparently Jonah wasn't dead. Uh, he's good as dead. He's inside this fish. He had this stuff all around his face and the water and everything. And he was there for three days. And what was he? God had to keep him alive because there's no way you can live without air and food and water all over you and all the stuff that he was in and still stay alive. So apparently he woke up to what I did was wrong. And so he asked God, for help, help me. Notice Psalms first, chapter 4, the book of Psalms. Just keep your finger there in Jonah because we'll be coming back. The book of Psalms, chapter 4, verse 1. David also understood the fact that if you ask God for help, he's going to be there. Here David, speaking as Christ, speaking to God, hear me. When I call, O God of my righteousness, you have entangled me when I was in distress and have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. So David was in distress many times, but he knew that he could go to God and God would hear his prayer because he repented. He realized he made a mistake. Psalm 20, chapter 22. Psalm chapter 22. David just loved God, and David also made mistakes too. Chapter 22, verse 24. For he who has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. So God doesn't abhor them or despise them, neither have he hid his face from him. But when he cries unto him, he hears. So David recognized if I repent, if I go to God and call Him for help, He's going to be there. He is going to help me. In 34, verse 6, chapter 34, verse 6. The, uh, the poor man cries and the Lord hears him and saves him out of his troubles. So, God is there. He will help us and heal us because we look to Him. Now back to Jonah chapter 2. Back to Jonah chapter 2. Verse 1 again. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord God out of the belly of the fish. And Jonah said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And He heard me. I cried, He said, and God heard me. 
Out of the belly of hell cried I, and you heard my voice. So, remember earlier it said, if we go up to heaven, if we go down into the ground, if we go out to sea, God is there. He knows every part of us, and He hears our voice if we repent and turn. For you have cast me into the deep, Jonah said, in the midst of the sea. And the floods compassed me about, and all the bells and the waves passed over me. So here he was pretty sad down in there. He was alive. How much longer could he live, he thought. Then Jonah said, I am cast out of your sight. So God said, you want to hide from me? Okay, I hid you. So Jonah admitted, I'm out of your sight, God. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. He goes on in verse 5. The waters compassed me about even to the soul, and depths closed about me, and the weeds were wrapped around my head. How did he live? He, he was in pretty bad strait at that point in time, and he wanted God's help. And so God answered him in verse 10. Chapter 2, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and what did it do? It vomited him out onto the dry land. There must have been people around that saw that. God didn't want this to be something in secret. So here this guy became the first white person. <laughs> I mean, he'd been there for three days in the belly of a fish, in the, in the acids and whatever it takes to digest that stuff. That's where he was. And he vomited them out. And I thought, what happened to the church? What did we do? We became lazy. We became lethargic. We didn't do our studying or our prayer or our searching after God the way we were. And he vomited us out of the, out of the church, out of his mouth. We became Laodicean and he said, I had enough of that. And he spewed us out. And here we are today, spewed out people trying to find who God is. So, Jonah had a job to do. And God did not let him off of that job. Point four, God said to Jonah, you know, uh, you have a job to do. Chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came again unto Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the preaching that I bid you. So Jonah was told, you're not getting out of this job. You know, he's not going to let us out of the job he gives to us either. If he really expects us to get something done, he expects that. And he's not going to let us go. He's going to keep us and keep us and put us through trials and tribulations and things that we're going to have to finally come and say, okay, I'm going to do it. So Jonah, verse 3, rose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And, and Nineveh was a great city, three days journey. And Jonah went through and he, and he spent 40 days in Nineveh and, and told the people in 40 days. 
your end is coming. Well, why would they accept what Jonah said, except that many people might have had by this time known that this guy was vomited out, that he tried to get away. And he came there and said, you have 40 days of life left. And the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast. Do we believe God? We hear We've been going over the Scriptures for years now, and since this little group started in 2000, we've gone over the Scriptures and over the Scriptures that the end is here. The end is come. The end of all things. Are we repenting and doing our part in changing? We better be making the change. God is a God of salvation. He will help us. He will turn and repent from the from the problem that we put on ourselves. So Jonah proclaimed, this end is coming. And the people, including the king, including all the governors and all the leadership, believed and they repented. Who, then, who can tell if that's what their thoughts were in verse 9 of chapter 3. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from the fierce anger which uh, that we have that we perish not? You know we can be right with the rest of this world, and if we are still Laodicean, you know Christ said, "I stand at the door and knock. If you open, I'll come in, or we can listen to Him knock." and not make the change that's required, and He won't come into us, and we will not make it. It's a, a promise there, or a regret if you want to call it. You have to make the changes yourself. Turn to Psalms chapter 37. Psalm, Psalm chapter 37, verse 37. Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of man is peace. But the transgressor shall be destroyed together, and the end of the wicked shall be cut off. So, Christ is saying, there's peace, a long life, if we follow and obey God, but the end of the wicked is going to be cut off. But salvation of the righteous is of God. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Verse 40. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked. God is going to take care of us if we will obey Him. Point five. God forgives. When Nineveh repented, God saw their work. Not just their thoughts. It was not just you can't say, yes, God, I'm going to change. It's more than just yes. It's more than just being here. It's more than just being a part of a church group. God looked down and saw their works, that they turned from their evil ways. 
So God's looking at each one of us and we're turning from the things that, that we take lightly. That we don't really grasp the fact that the end is coming. And we have to put a lot more effort into it than what we've been putting in. And God repented of evil. That evil day was going to destroy the whole nation of Nineveh, the whole town of Nineveh, that he had saw, that he would, uh, that he would do unto them, and he didn't do it. He let them live, because they made a change. So it was a lot of effort. In Psalm 136, throughout the whole song it says, His mercy endures forever. So does God forgive? Does God help out? The whole, the whole chapter of Psalm 136 says His mercy, at the end of each verse, His mercy endures forever. So God is a loving, righteous, loving Father that He wants us to be a part of this family. Turn to Luke 11. I've already covered that once where it tells Luke 11:32, where it said, The men of Nineveh raise up in judgment in this generation and shall condemn it because for they repented of the preaching of Jonah and there's a greater Jonah than there. So if God could re- save a nation, a, a city because they repented and turned around, will He not save us if we are making mistakes? God is that very merciful God. He loves us and wants us to be part of His way of life. Luke chapter 15. God will help us. He expects us to take the book of Jonah. Look at the things Jonah did. Look at how he treated the people. How he tried to run away, and God didn't let him. That he saved his life. That he sent Jonah in to do a job. He did the job, and and his job was one to show the right examples. And that's our job today. We have to set right examples in the way we live our life. We can't do a two-faced thing. We have to... Show by example the right way. It was meet, in verse 32, that we should make merry and be glad, for the brother was dead, is now alive again, and was lost and was found. So here, this is the end of the, pro- of the prodigal son, where he wanted his way, and he went off and didn't do what he should have, and he returned. And the brother that stayed there thought that I have done everything right. And my father didn't give me any blessing. And the father had to tell the son, Look, we make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead. He was dead to them. The nation or the city of Nineveh was as good as dead. And we, the same way, are good as dead and is alive again and was lost and was found because the son repented. He turned his life around. We have to do that same thing. We have to turn our life around. God tells us 
in Isaiah 55, verse 7, God tells us, the wicked forsake, the wicked gotta forsake his ways, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to eternal, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So we gotta sit down and look at our own life. We have, we're scheduled to see a Billions of people die. It's hard to, for me anyway, maybe for others, but it's hard for me to consider billions of people going to die. And I could be one of them. Die without hope. Because judgment is upon us right now. So this is our chance. So when God tells us, you have a job to do, you have to do that job. Got to find out what the job is. Maybe it's just prayer. Uh, it, it says that the, the widow's prayers are what she can do. She might not have the money or the uh, things that others have, but we all have something we can do to help each other to, to obtain the job that God's given to us. But God will pardon us if we will go after Him. Oh, and God also tells us in Hebrews 4, in verse 16, it says, let, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. So, he's telling us, a job we have is to come to God. To go to God in prayer. I don't like what's happening. I go to God and say, help me. I don't feel good. Help me. I see... Somebody making a mistake, I go to God and say, help them. Because that's my job. Uh, James, I think it is, James chapter 4, it says when you see somebody making a mistake, you see a brother or a sister making a mistake, go and help them. Help them get back on track. So yes, there's another job that God's given to us. Yes, he tells us we see somebody going toward the lake of fire. He said, jerk, Paul said, jerk them back. Well, so there's times when you have to go and you see somebody heading the wrong direction. You have to go in and boldly say, look, you got to change or you're dying. You know, I don't want you to do that. I want you to be a part of the family of God. Don't do the same thing you've been doing. So part of our job is to help each other. Visiting, helping us seeing the problem and making changes in our life, but also helping them to make changes in their life. Point six. Jonah was not thinking like God. Are we thinking like God in everything we do? Do we think the way God thinks? Jonah didn't think the way God thinks. God thought, I want you to do this job. And Jonah's thoughts were, I don't want to do this job. It wasn't that Jonah was afraid to go there. He did not want to do it because he knew God was merciful. So Jonah didn't think like God's thoughts. So are we thinking like God thinks? We can do that if we study the Scriptures, go over them all the time. 
Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. What displeased Jonah? That God did not destroy that city? Was it Jonah's thoughts were destroy the city because they're our enemy? But that wasn't God's thoughts. God wants to save everybody. Do I get angry when things don't go my way? How about you? If something's not going the way you think it ought to be, maybe you're told God thinks things ought to go this way and you get to thinking, I don't think that that's the way I ought to do it. So do we get angry about it because it didn't go the way we thought it? Maybe we thought uh, it's like the, the first trial that this little group went through with that I thought, That should have been thrown out of court. Did I get angry because it didn't get thrown out of court? Did I get angry at God because He allowed us to have a TIC? Is that the attitude that we all had? Or do I think, I could have done a better job if you had done it my way. Sometimes we put ourselves in that position and uh, we get angry about things that happen around us and we don't think of what was God's intent. Why did God do what He did? There's a reason for it. In this case, God knew ahead of time that the people could repent. And he also knew ahead of time that they wouldn't repent. So he said, the consequences for not repenting is total destruction. But Jonah didn't see that. Well, he did see that. I'm sorry. Jonah knew that if the people repented, then his efforts of going to Nineveh was worthless. But he didn't know that they would repent. If they did, they would be saved. Verse 2, And and he prayed unto God. Jonah, Jonah prayed to God and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my own country? Therefore I fled unto Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repent you of the evil. So, when I said Jonah knew it, he, he was thinking, if these people repent, I've wasted my time. So why do I even do that? For you and for me, we get situations that come up like that. This lawsuit and the way it's being dealt with. Do we think if I was in charge, I'd do a whole lot better job than this? But do we understand that God is in charge? He knows what's happening. And if there's repentance, things will be different than what we think it's going to be. 
Therefore, he continues, O Lord, take, I beseech you, my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to die. He was selfish. Isn't that a selfish attitude? Selfish, self-righteous attitude? Because you didn't do it my way, I might as well die. You know, I said those things myself, and so I have to repent of them too. But if we don't see things happening the way we want it to happen, do we say to God, "Get rid of me"? I, you know, I, I'm. You're not. You know, I told these people they're going to die, or I told this is going to happen this way, and it didn't. I don't want to live anymore. What an attitude that is, isn't it? Isn't that a shameful attitude to think that you're so important that if God doesn't do it the way you think, that might as well die because I didn't get my way. I did not get my way. That's a very rotten type of attitude because God saved the whole city and He's going to save 144,000 and He's going to save what, maybe a hundred million people that will live on into the millennium? And because we don't think it ought to take get rid of more people? Or maybe it's somebody in the church and we look out there and said, uh, that person shouldn't make it. And then they make it. Are we going to get angry about that? Chapter 4, verse 4. Then the eternal... Then said God to Jonah... Do you well to be angry? <laughs> Do you have the right to be angry? Because I saved a whole nation, of, a whole city of people? So Jonah went out of the city and sat in the east side of the city and made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till the night that he might see what would become of the city. So he sat over there and said, These people are repenting. They, they're Repenting in dust and ashes. So he went out there and built him a booth and said, I'm going to sit here and wait for 40 days and see what's going to happen. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come over Jordan, 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 Jonah, tongue-tied, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from the, the grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. So here's... God, taking mercy on Jonah. You had a bad attitude, Jonah, but hey, I'll take care of you. Let's see what you think. But what happened? We find that uh, the gourd died. And Jonah was upset. Verse 8, And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a violent wind east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted and wished that he had died, and said, it's better for me to die than to live. And so he prepared the gourd, and the gourd died, and God said to Jonah, do you well to be angry for the gourd? You know, look at this. You are angry and upset that I killed the gourd. And he said, God said to him, do I do well to, or he said, Jonah said back to God, I do well to be angry even to death. Then God said to him, 
You have pity on the gourd for which you had not labored, neither made to grow, which came up at night and perished in a in, in night. And should you not spare, and should I not spare Nineveh, a great city, which is more than 6,000 persons that cannot discern between right and wrong. And you are angry that I killed the gourd, but but you had nothing to do except tell the people to save their life. Do we then find ourselves in the same position? God give us a job, things to do. How often do we try to get out of that job? How often do we try to find something else to go some other place to not do the job? God, if we see that we've made a mistake and we've been punished, you know, God will forgive us. If we repent, God will forgive us. But... If he gives us a job and we don't do it and then we repent, you know what? You still have that job to do. I've worked in many places. Didn't want to do the job and I tried to get out of it and did something else. But eventually, the job had to be done. And our job is to support what God has given us to do. God is a God of forgiveness. And we can't, as people, we don't have the right to be angry if God gives grace or love or healing to somebody else. Maybe we're sick and we see somebody else that we thought, they, they, they ought to die, you know. They're, but God heals them. Do we get angry about that because we still are sick? Paul didn't. Paul asked God several times, heal my eyesight apparently. And he didn't. He said, you'd be satisfied with what you have. And God's telling us to be the same way. We need to be satisfied with the position God's given to us, the job He gives to us. We need to work our heart out, put our whole being into it. God tells us we have to love Him with our whole heart, mind, body, everything about us. We have to do the job He gives to us. We can't be like Jonah. Try to get out of the job. Uh, We have to be willing to do what God wants us to do. Okay. Thank you.